We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Christopher said Alabama has questions at quarterback and wide receiver, good defensive line and secondary. One of the best offensive line coaches in the game. So solid there. Good young running backs too. Buy or sell, they can win a championship with the whoever plays quarterback. Well, I don't think it's just throw anyone out there. I think their quarterback has to play well. Sure. What I don't think their quarterback has to do now, Ryan, is to carry them the way that they needed Mac Jones and Tua to carry them. If, like, I don't think, Nick Saban hired Tommy Reese to continue doing what they did under Sark and Lane Kiffin and those guys. And, and sure hope not. I think sure. he brought him in to say, we're going to get back to running the football and, and beating people up and being physical. And, you know, I just got, I just got out coached and out fought by Georgia two years in a row. We're going to get back to being able to run the football. Sure. I think that's what he did. And they got a massive offensive line this year. I mean, they are huge on the offensive line. I don't I don't know that I would say that their receiving core is necessarily a question mark. I don't think that it's great, but it's still good. They've got Jermaine Burton is back. Uh Kobe Prentice had a pretty good freshman year last year. They I think Isaiah Bond is still back. They've got players there. It's not going to be what it was a couple years ago. But I think sometimes we forget, Ryan, that this is a football team that won a national championship with um you know, let me go back here. Marquise Mays was their leading receiver when they won a title in 2011. Okay, right. Their their number two leading receiver on that team was tight end Brad Smelly. Their oh, number Smelly. three leading receiver on that football team was t- running back Trent Richardson. Right. So to me, 2016, their leading receivers are Darius Stewart. If Bama gets back to playing old school Bama football, it, it'll be a lot like what Georgia was last year, Ryan, which is really have a great wide receiver, that pretty good tight end. And I don't know how Bama is going to be there, but I actually think Bama has good receivers. They just don't have great receivers, but if they get back to running the football, they won't need it. They will be more complimentary. And, but the biggest hang up to me is you didn't even mention to me what the biggest concern I have at Alabama is this year. And it's not quarterback. It's Kevin Steele. It's, is he going to be able to maximize the talent that they actually have on defense? Because we saw Brian Van Gorder piss away a championship caliber defense in Notre Dame, and I'm not a big fan of Kevin Steele. And so I think that's their biggest issue. Because if they're good enough running the ball, Ryan, you put Tyler Buckner, Jalen Milrow out there, run some read zone, 
play action, yeah. get the ball out, some RPOs, and you're going to be pretty good on offense if the offensive well, Kevin, line is what we think it's going to be. Kevin Steele hasn't been great in other places, but he's been good at Alabama, hasn't he? Yeah, no. but that was back when Nick Saban was a little bit more spry. Let's just say okay. that, right? But he okay. was an assistant coach, I believe, at Alabama. Um, let me see here real quick. His second go-around, he was an assistant. He might have been a D coordinator on some of the early teams. He was the Alabama defensive head coach. He was the D coordinator in 07 and then got demoted in 08. Okay. And then he came back and he coached there in 14 as the linebackers coach. So he was only a D coordinator for one year, and it was the year that they weren't very good. And I'm not saying that you know he was the reason for that, but um, yeah, because then uh, I think he brought in Kirby. That so no, they had I guess they had yeah. He was considered the co defensive coordinator that year, but the coordinator was so Kirby Smart was the defensive coordinator in 08. Steele mm-hmm. was considered the co defensive coordinator, which means he got demoted, is what mm-hmm. that means. So. Um, he was a good position coach where, where Kevin Steele built his reputation at Bama. He was a good, rec- really good recruiter. He's always been a good recruiter. That's something sure. he's always done a good job at, but he is a really not very good offensive defensive coordinator. He was the D coordinator now for at, at Auburn from 16 to 20. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. But, but buy or sell, they can win a championship. Yeah, buy or sell whoever wins a championship, or they can win a championship whoever starts, assuming they get back to playing a little bit throwback Bama football, in my opinion. I think I would sell it regardless. I just I, I think that a quarterback's going to have to make some big plays in how the game is played now, and I just don't think Alabama has that guy on the roster at the moment for me. I think they do, because I think Milrow and Buckner can be that in a run or heavy offense in my opinion but i also think the other thing too ryan is i just don't think there's a lot of great teams out there this year i think alabama can just out talent people if if you were to say could they win against last year's georgia 2021 georgia 2019 lsu 2018 clemson no chance no chance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but this year yeah i'll buy that 
they've got to get good quarterback play from whoever that guy is. It just doesn't have sure. to be great. Right. That's, that's going to be my thing. Could they win it if they had like last year, Drew Pine? No, no. Cause at some point in time, you're going to have to make some plays. I just think with, with their legs, some of those kids can make some of those plays. I am very curious to see who wins that starting job. I, I very much am. And do they play like musical chairs, a quarterback all year, or do they pick a guy and let him develop? That's going to be interesting. Christopher Crosby, given how odd the Navy game is stylistically, what are you hoping to learn about this team in week zero? That they're one to know and healthy. That I mean, Ryan, I'm serious. I, I with the with all the Navy's already weird enough, but you've got a new coordinator. You don't really know what they're gonna do off on offense. I, I am honestly come out of that game healthy and one to know. I, I really don't care beyond that in week one. Now, I mean, we'll have predictions and we'll talk about matchups and why we think their name should win convincingly and should beat Navy soundly and all that. But at the end of the day, like he said, it's you're traveling to Ireland. It's first game. You don't know what they're really going to do offensively. They've got two new coordinators, new head coach who was their previous D coordinator. You don't know who their quarterback is going to be. You're trying to break down Kennesaw state film, man, just survive in advance in week one, dude, and then get right against Tennessee state. That's just kind of where I'm at. It's like, I want to see them play great, but at the end of the day, and just get out of that game healthy with a win and then get right against Tennessee state. And then, once you go beat NC State, nobody cares what you did in week one. I, I guess, I, I mean, I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I just think that if it's an ugly game that you win, I still think that you like their questions are still kind of sure. arising on that one because, sure. I mean, last year everybody talks about the Marshall Stanford game, but you also didn't play very well against UNLV. You also right. just kind of didn't show up to some yeah. of the, I mean, Navy, you let Navy sneak back in the second half of that game as well and ended up yeah. kind of winning a barn. You were, you were five I mean, more minutes left on the clock of that game from maybe losing the Navy last exactly. year. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I would like, in theory, Notre Dame just goes in that game and stops Navy. And you're like, oh, okay, maybe, maybe you know, the, the lesser opponent games are just not going to be a thing this year. Like, that would be really nice. Ryan, you and I don't think, don't, don't disagree here because you're saying there's going to be questions. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, all I'm saying is I don't care because what I, I don't want to have happen is like it just games like that always kind of like, man, like it's game one. It's all this. You just can't lose. You just got to win at that sure. point in time. Because like I said, if you go out and blow out, this is why the caveat was you go get right against Tennessee State. And then once you beat NC State, nobody cares what's in the opener. They're going to look at it and be like, yeah, it's junk defense, blah, 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 blah. Go handle your business after that and you're going to be fine. But will there be questions coming out of that game? Absolutely. If Notre Dame wins that game by a field goal, the post-game show will not be fun. No. But at the end of the day, I won't care because I know they're going to have a get-right game next week against Tennessee State. Now, if they had Marshall in week two, be a little bit more concerned. But that's why I like the makeup of the schedule a lot more than last year. That's um, that's what I care. That's what I care about. Just get that win. Andy Estimate Trucking LLC says, Joshua Burnham or Holden stays. Who has the bigger impact on their side of the ball, and why would you have considered moving Maris to Viper this year? Would I have and, and okay, so so who will have a bigger impact, and why? I'm going to go with Holden Stace because opportunity. I think he's going sure. to play more than Josh Burnham. Agree. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if he's even starting there at you know for the most part, or at least getting starter snaps at tight end. Uh, that's the biggest thing. I mean, they're both very talented players. It's really about opportunity. Would I consider moving Maris to Viper this year? No, I wouldn't. I I'm I have no problem with the Viper depth chart, none. And I don't want Maris being a guy that has to set the edge all day. If Maris isn't good enough to play Will, then just put him on special teams. I mean, that, that 
that that's where he's going to help you. I, I wouldn't be concerned about finding a home for him. If he's not good enough to play there, then he's just not good enough to play there. I don't need to find a home for Maris. You know what I mean? Like, uh, because of, now two years ago, my story would have been a little different because you didn't have the same kind of depth of talent that you have now with the young players. You didn't have a Burnham and a, you know, after you got through Foskey and Bortelho, you were, and even two years ago, you didn't have Botelho a Viper. You had him a Rover. I might've said, yeah, you know what? You need to kind of get him ready to go if he can't play Will, but I, I wouldn't force that issue just because I don't think he's a permanent, a full-time guy. I, Ryan, at this point in time, I don't want to take reps away from Burnham and Tui Alamaka. I want those guys to develop and become that guy because I want them, when I get to week five and I get to week nine or game nine and I get when we head down to Clemson, I want to make sure that those kids have gotten the reps they need to really help me go out and some win some football games. I'm, I'm going to have a much better shot at beating George in the playoff because I developed Burnham and Tui Alamaka behind Jordan Patelho than I put Maris there in my opinion, as far as the base defense. Now, are there some looks sure. and some nickels where maybe you could bring Maris off the edge? Sure. Yeah, I could see that. But I don't consider that him being a viper. I consider him being a will that lined up on the edge and is blitzing off the edge. What are your thoughts on that, Ryan? Yeah, I mean, I, Holden States was my easy answer to the first question. Like, it's just he's going to play a lot more. I mean, Burnham is a question mark as far as he's incredibly talented, but you have Jordan Botello. You have some other answers at Viper that could – take away opportunities in 2023. I mean, it might be 2024 is more of the breakout for Joshua Burnham. That could potentially be. But the Viper conversation, like, I, it would have at least crossed my mind at one point. But, like, I mean, it's a dead conversation at this point, especially because you knew – because I think there was a time where you're just kind of like, you know, is Junior Toilamaka going to be a full-time Viper all the time? Like, I mean, that was like a conversation as far as, like, at the end of the season last year. And then also – with Nolan Ziegler now, you know, fighting back from what he's fighting back from, it's just a situation where you also lost a little bit of depth inside mm -hmm. and inside That's linebacker as well. So, I mean, you can call that for, you can call that, you know, hindsight is 2020, but I mean, it's good that Maris may have had to get moved back to inside linebacker anyway, because you would have been like, Oh, now we're kind of a shorter guy that we were considering having at this point. So I think, but I think the early, the easy answer for the first one for me is Holden space. I, I, I would not be shocked at all if Holden stays is not your best tight end by the end of the season. Like yeah. I wouldn't be shocked at all if that happens. Yeah. Ryan, here's an interesting question. I think is kind of a follow-up to our Navy conversation from GJ Whitetown. Yep. Uh, does a team have to give film of what they are doing? What happens if a team does, does, but is completely different than what they are showing? We see that all the time. I mean, there's no yeah. rule that you have to do what you've shown on film, right? So, like, especially in game one, right? So, <laughs> what Notre Dame probably did is Navy is not obligated to give Notre Dame Kennesaw State film because right. they're new OCs from Kennesaw State. All that they are obligated to do is give Nate, Notre Dame film of last season's games. And it's, I think it's something like, what is it, like three games? You're only obligated to give like the last three games or something like that. I'm not yeah, sure something like that, what the yeah. rule is now, Ryan, but. You've, but you find other ways, you know. Hey, you Do they call even up. Give film anymore? Doesn't everyone just have like catapult at this point? They just watch it. Like, well, uh, no. I mean, you have to share it, right? I mean, you have to share it with another team. But I mean, but that's what I was going to say, Ryan. Is you, you'll have people that you'll get the film from. Sure. There's people that they have all 22 of Kennesaw State. I believe me, whether Kennesaw State gave it to them or not, or Navy gave it to them or not. You're, it, it's so much easier nowadays because it, like, to your point, Ryan, is everything is online. Like when I was coaching, like when I was at Duquesne, for example. So we'd have to cut up the film 
and then I'd have to go to the airport, drop the film off to yeah. get flown out to whoever we were playing. And then I'd have to go out later and pick the film up that was getting flown in because it was actually on tapes. Sure. You know, and and uh, we're now it's just coached high school as well. Yeah, so. you're just sharing yeah. files and you just give them access to the files and then it's up to them to do whatever they want to do with it and cut it up however they want to cut it up. But yeah, it um, and not everybody uses cat. I mean, people have different systems, but it's the same type of thing. It's so much yeah. easier to share film now, but you're only obligated to give certain parts of games. But it's always been true that you get film from other people. I, I'd go to the airport to pick up film of a team that we were playing because they didn't send us film of, of their, you know, we wanted to get early season film. So we, we'd call up people we knew that coached it against them at other schools and they'd send us film and, you know, all that kind of stuff. So there, there's ways around it, but you know, you've got to just kind of be prepared for some of those things. And, and you I remember there'd be practices where Harry, he would just be throwing junk looks at the deep, the offensive line. And he's like, well, look, we got to be prepared for anything. And if you guys can block this up and then, then we can block up anything. And, you know, you, you've got to be prepared for it because they're not obligated to, hey, well, this is what we've shown on film, so we have to do that stuff. They can, if they've been a 4 2 5 team the whole year and they decide they want to go to a, a 2 5 4, they can. May not want to, but they yeah. can. Uh, so that's a good question. And I think it's especially challenging when you're talking about playing a team early in the season that's got a new coaching staff. It makes it even tougher because they may not run the same stuff they ran at the previous places because the personnel is different and for whatever reason. So it, it makes it they're, challenging. And that's again why I just to do that either. Yeah. So. That's why I look at this Navy team and I'm just like, man, just get a win, dude. I, at this point in time, I just, just, yeah. Yeah. It's a tough one. I want them to blow them out, but yeah, here's another question, Ryan, uh, that's along the lines of what you just were talking about in the previous question. Andy football nerd says, which tight end will lead Notre Dame in receptions, which yards will it be the same player? I'm going to say it's the same player and it's Holden Stace. That's my prediction. I don't know that I'm ready to necessarily comfortably say that because I just, I've seen them both play. I'll, I'll, I'll go back and agree with your original statement. It wouldn't surprise me if it's Holden Stace. Um, As of right now, I still believe Mitchell Evans is still the starting tight end as of now. And we have not seen Notre Dame throw to multiple tight ends a, a bunch. I hope that changes this year. And uh, and both of those guys get targets. But it would not shock me, Ryan, if it is Holden Stace. But as of right now, I'm still going Mitchell Evans just because as of today, he's still the guy that they're usually trotting out there with the first team more often than not. Sure. Next question is from Connor Grant. says, will you be doing any live shows during games like you did for the USC game? I really enjoyed that. We'll do a couple. We'll probably do one for the Stanford game. I don't know about other games in between. Um, you know, we won't do it a lot. It's um, it's fun to do as a gimmick, but it's not something we're going to make a regular thing. Right. If Notre Dame's not in the title game, we'll, we may do that again. That was fun in theory, and we had fun early on. And, of course, the game kind of got out of hand. But, like, Ryan, imagine if we were – you know, doing doing that show together, and it was like 2017 Bama, Georgia, right? Like that had been a fun game. The first half of Clemson, Alabama in 18 would have been great. Imagine if we were doing that in 16 with that Bama, Clemson game. Like there's some games that would have been fun to do that show. Last year's just kind of sucked. Yeah. You know, so it, it got out of hand fast. 65 yeah. to 7 is not a fun game. No, it wasn't. So. I mean, we're at halftime. Like, what are we going to talk about the second half? I mean, like – do we quit the show? I mean, well, you know, but we finished. We just talked Guys, about other sucks. things. We're going to end it here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We talked about other things. That was the, yeah. that was the key. 
John Long says, mailbag question. I worry that Deion Colsey will show up when things are easy, i.e. Navy, Central Michigan, but fear he will disappear when things get tough. Well, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, I understand why people say that, but like just based on what he has done, he's been the exact opposite. Yeah. You say, well, when 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 things are easy, i.e. Navy, uh, he made some clutch plays against Navy in a game that was a three-point football game. Right. He made some some tough early catches against Syracuse, a game where it was on the road against a ranked opponent, and you were coming off of a, you know, the last two weeks where you had, you'd had an ugly win over UNLV and you lost to Stanford. USC game, that was the best they game Dion's ever played. He and yeah. it was a tough catch that he it made was. in that game. So I understand that people, you know, like to bang on Dion, and to a degree, that's partly on Dion because of how he practices. But when Deion Colsey has been on the field and has gotten an opportunity on game days, he's made plays. Now, the problem is you're deep enough a receiver where you can't afford to necessarily play a guy that isn't getting it done in practice on game days. But, uh, you know, that's not what Deion – that's not been his track record, Ryan. Three catches for 75 yards and a touchdown, that's a a road game against a rival. I'm sorry, that's a – that's a they were a top 10 team at the time too if i remember correctly yeah, yeah. Uh, oh, they that was a big moment yeah. so yeah his his history would not tell us that that's who he is going to be yeah um, he just he's got to step up and be more consistent but no i i i think that's very unfair based on who Dion has been so far in his career okay and then he uh, continues that with uh, another aspect of it continued on the other end of the spectrum who may be the receiver whose tenacity shines against the top competition, even though he may not be a year-long game-after-game contributor? Well, I, I think it's Deion Colsey. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, I mean, look, who who made the – of the receivers, who made the biggest plays against USC last year? It's Deion Colsey. Yeah. Right? I mean, none of the receivers really did anything against Clemson. None of the receivers get it against really against USC. I mean, the only game, the only guy that really made any plays against the big three on the schedule was Dion. That's it. Yeah. You know, um, to to answer it a little bit more, I mean, you know, I'm kind of prove, trying to prove a point there, but to me, I don't know that I can say who that's going to be because we just all these guys have a lot to prove. Yeah. All I can say is who I hope it is. I hope it's Tobias Merriweather. Yeah. Because I still feel like he's the key to making this whole thing go. If if he steps up and is a really a dangerous weapon, it just makes Tyree better, Jaden Thomas better, the tight ends better. It just makes them all better. If he's a dangerous weapon, he's that guy. But I mean, I, I don't know who that guy is going to be. I, if I had to, if if you told me, Brian, you've got to put your next, next mortgage payment on who that guy is going to be, I'd probably say Jaden Thomas. Just because he's the guy we we know the most of, he's the guy that was the most steady down yeah. the stretch last year. Probably who I'd go with. Uh, my second bet would be Tobias because he's the most talented, you know. And and but I'm not betting on Chris Tyree simply because I still haven't seen him play a game as a wide receiver, right? I mean, I'm excited about what Chris can do, but if it came down to put my mortgage on it, I, let me see him. Can I get a see him play a game first? And then I'll get excited, you know, then I'll start doing that. But it'd be probably Jaden just because he's the most known commodity that they have coming back a receiver as a, as a receiver. Now, the, what's funny is, Ryan, Tyree is the current leader on the roster in career catches and career receiving yards. 
Yep. But he did almost all that as a as a running back. I mean, I mean, his, he had a hundred yard. He's the only guy on the roster with a hundred yard receiving game. He did that as a running back. Yep. So it's a little, little bit different. Jaden Thomas, money player. I would pick that one. I would also say I wouldn't be shocked that Jaden Greathouse out of like nowhere is just like, oh, yeah, oh, really good in the big games because he yep. knows how to win big games. Yep. <laughs> so I could see that. I could definitely see that. We had another question from Buellsfeld Financial Services Incorporated. Thank you so JP. much. JP. I am starting to make plans for the Tennessee State weekend. Do we have any plans for Irish Breakdown family to meet on Friday or Saturday? As of right now, no. But depending on how many people we may, we may be able to do something on Friday night. Let me think about that, JP. Let me think about that. I will uh, I will get back to you on that one. JP, I'll be there for the Central Michigan game, man. If you're around then, I'll put that out there. But, yeah. We had another super chat from Trevor Rocket. Thank you so much. Says, hey, guys, can you each give me an offensive and defensive player on the current roster you think could make an impact if given an opportunity that has not made an impact yet in their careers? Well, Tobias Merriweather is at the beginning of that list. I mean, he's got one career catch, right? Like, so he clearly hasn't made an impact outside of one play against a really bad team. I it's hard for me to go with anybody other than him on offense as far as the top of the list. Now, there's a lot of guys that, you know, Holden Stace is Holden Stace would be that, one for me. right? I'm, yeah. You know, uh, one, one of the backup Price. running backs, yeah. Jadarian Price. Payne, any Jadarian of them. Payne. Any yeah. of them. Yeah. Anyone that's not a freshman could yeah. be that guy. Rocco Spindler on the offensive line, you know, given the opportunity. Billy Shrouth defensively, Ryan, it, you know, Jason Onye is really the only guy that I can think of besides the two He's Vipers we already talked about that hasn't already had a chance to make an impact. I mean, Jaden sure. Mickey didn't make an impact last year, but he certainly got a chance. Now I think it could be a breakout a little bit for them this year, but he's maybe Ramon Henderson. The, the opportunity's been there, but like to me with Ramon could be a breakout, but he's already been given the opportunity. Right. So I'm looking at guys who haven't really played a lot yet. That's why I think okay. like Burnham and to um, you know, Jalen Sneed could maybe be that guy in a certain role, but, uh, so I took that question as more of like guys who we haven't seen be given the opportunity yet. If they get are given one, who could that guy be? So that would be um, that's be how I would answer those ways. Defensively, yeah, would be yeah, Onye. Yeah. Yep, I like that one. You had another super chat with Tyler Evans. Thank you, Tyler. Fellas, what are your favorite catch you watched in college football? Mine was the Calvin Johnson catch against Clemson. The one that came to me immediately was, do you remember when, I think they were playing like Southern Miss, but Alabama was playing Southern Miss in like the early 2000s oh, and Tyrone yeah, Prothrow yeah, yeah. caught the one on the dude's back. And I yep. was like, what the hell? I remember that. Never, that was a I had never seen that catch. before in my entire life, man. Like he somehow held onto this ball with both arms hugging this defensive back and just the ball pressed against this dude's back. Yeah. I was like, that is insane, man. I saw that one yeah. live too. I was like, what the heck? <laughs> That's nuts. Yep. Mine, mine would be Rocket made a stumbling catch against Miami in '88 that I remember for a big play where he kind of was falling down and he still caught it. That would be the one that I remember most as far as like a favorite catch because it just tied into beating Clemson. But the other one that I would say is you're going to laugh at me for this one. It would be the Reggie Brooks catch in the end zone against Penn State to beat Penn State in '92. Uh, that was a big one. It was Senior Day. It was his last home game. They were going for two because Jerome Bettis caught a touchdown to to get it to set to be sixteen to fifteen, and then they went for two to win it. And uh, Reggie Brooks made that great catch. So that'd be my uh, that'd be my other one. 
Another one is uh, Maurice Stovall, like seven of them that one year in like 2005. Oh, like just like, a crazy go go gadget arm. One hands, like, yeah. Samarja had, had uh, that phenomenal one handed catch against Purdue that year. You remember that, Ryan, yeah. on, on uh, Saturday Night Football on ESPN? Yeah. He made a great one handed catch. He also had a sick catch against Pitt that year that I don't know was necessarily like a great catch, but like the way they showed it on TV where he Brady threw the ball and like all you see is this pit defender standing right where the ball's going like Samarja comes out of like nowhere like jumps and grabs it like I didn't see clearly Brady Quinn saw Samarja coming but I didn't (laughs) sure uh but uh yeah that was a heck of a catch too those two that year 05 with those two players they had so many just nutty catches because they had exceptional catch radius radii I don't know what's the plural for radiuses yeah so yeah they were they were really uh, good. Snowball was ridiculous that year, man, yeah. with all the catches he made. One of the good. most underrated seasons a Notre Dame receivers ever had because all everybody ever wants to talk about is Samarja. And, and rightly so. Samarja was excellent that year. But yep. most Stovall was so good that year. Yep. BYU defenses still have a nightmares about most Stovall. And that's a game I think had like 12 or 13 catches. It was crazy. Yeah. We had a super chat from Connor Grant. Thank you, Connor. If Notre Dame loses only one regular season game this year, which game would be best for them to lose to still make the college football playoff? For me, that's easy. NC State. I mean, lose to NC State early and then beat Ohio State, beat Duke, beat Louisville, beat USC, beat Pitt, beat Clemson, and win out, you're in the playoff. I mean, the, the committee has shown early losses are better than late losses. Most often. I mean, 16 was weird because you had – Clemson lost late to Pitt at home in November. But yeah. more often than not, if you if, if Notre Dame loses to NC State but beats Ohio State, wins out, beats USC, beats Clemson, not a lot of people are going to care about the NC State loss. They're not. And they're a playoff team fair. at that point. Because what the committee has shown more often than not, Ryan, nine times out of ten is they the media obsesses over who you lost to. What the committee has shown year in and year out, Ryan, is they care more about who you beat than who you lost to. That's why Clemson got in despite losing to Pitt at home. That's why Clemson got in despite losing to four and eight Syracuse, right? Like that's been the case. They care about who you beat. And I, I think that's very also true for um, that. That would also be true for Notre Dame this year, which is why I would say, I, I cause like, if you say, well, Ohio State, because you think they're going to be a highly ranked team. Well, then the knock on you could be, yeah, but you didn't beat the only ca- playoff caliber team that you played or the best team that you played at home. You you got beat by them. I just think all those other ones could have some sort of negative connotation like, hey, you had your chance against one of the best teams and you lost. Whereas if you're 3-0 and in the big three games, it's, it's going to be a heck of a year. So that's why I go with NC State. It's early and, you, and you're winning over the big three. That's fair. I didn't think of it that way. My first impulse was Clemson because they're one of the big three that's on the road. So you still have the other two big home home wins and victories. And it's not like Clemson's the very, very end of the season. So you still have some time to recover and then still beat USC and still win a couple games after that one. So no, USC would impulse. be before that. USC's before Clemson this year. Oh, so it's Clemson then the final two? Is that what it Clemson is? Clemson by then, then, yep. then uh, Wake and Stanford. Got it, got yeah. it, yep. I know you're thinking the West Coast game. Yeah, I get what yeah. you're coming from. But, yeah, that's Stanford this year. But it would still be there would be three weeks of regular season plus conference championship games for other people to lose. And, and you'd, you'd still, still have, have wins over the other two yes, big ones. Ohio State and USC under your belt. So, yeah. yeah. But, I yeah, 
Yeah. If so, that would be my answer. If I if you said I had you had to if he said which would be the one game you'd want them to lose if it was against one of the big three, then I would I would agree with you on that one. But if it's just any, I can have any. It's an early game, so I'd go with NC State. Although I don't like losing to ACC teams. Yeah. We had another question from Mark Krogan who says, I have Ohio State and Duke games going one and one. If they beat Ohio State, scared they drop Duke or lo- or loses Ohio State beats Duke. Thoughts? I mean, we've talked about that. That's a concern. It's that awesome. letdown game, right? Like you've got that emotional high after beating Ohio State, and there's the risk that you just don't quite bring it. And other thing you and I have talked about, Ryan, Duke has that nice formula to be a potential team that upsets you. They've got a dynamic quarterback that can make plays with his legs. They've got weapons on offense. They are not going to get just completely outmanned in the trenches by by if you don't bring it, right? Yeah. And they've got a really good coaching staff, that, that a really good coaching staff. And so to me, those are all recipes of a potential upset team. Now, could Notre Dame push Duke around if Notre Dame brings their A game? Of course. Sure, but they're they're good enough to where if the the premise being if you don't bring your A game, then Dwayne Carter's going to have some. You're going he's going to give you some problems. Jamie on Franklin may whoop your note your center all day, you know, and 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 all of a sudden they create a couple turnovers and because you're 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 not ready to play BC hangover type of thing from '93. Sure, that that's why Duke is our Ryan and I've done this show and Vince and I did it as well. That's our number one trap game this year. So yeah, I, I think you're I think you're accurate on that, Mark. I do. It's a very good team, man. Scared of them a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Here's uh, one from uh, Domer Grizz. Domer Grizz says, happy Friday. You as well. Now that your practice access has ended, what is the biggest thing you didn't get to see during camp that you're most looking forward to seeing during the season? We didn't get a chance to really see the first team ends do a lot of pass rushing this spring, just because of the nature of the, the, the practices that we saw. So that would be the one for me, Ryan. We just, you know, we saw practices that were more run oriented. We didn't see a lot of team periods. So we didn't really get a chance to see that, you know, how that pass rush is going to be from the edge. That right. would be my big thing. I'm, I still don't quite know what the pass rush is going to look like. I, I'm very, I'm pretty confident this run defense is going to be better this year. I still have some reservations about the pass defense, pa- the pass rush, just because we, we haven't had a lot of availability to see different things. Mm-hmm. And like we haven't seen a lot of one on ones and with the O line D line, we the the one team scrimmage period we saw the first that one long practice, you could tell they were working on run stuff, quick game stuff. It wasn't like a full out throw the ball down the field with the first team. Now the third team went after a little bit and the pass rush was great, but that was against Ty Chan and Emil Wagner. It wasn't against Joe Walt and Blake Fisher. So that would be the one. And when I say question mark, Ryan, it's question mark just because I haven't seen it yet. Not that I don't think they can be good, just that we we just don't know what it's going to be to the, to a degree. And that would be where I'm coming from on that. I mean, even in scrimmages and stuff, you also aren't seeing like a true game plan offensively, right? So like we don't know how Jared Parker's going to kind of string things together offensively. I mean, right. like for the most part, that's just scripted, right? This is their script right. that we're running and we're just going to run it and see what it looks like type of thing. So I'm most excited to see Jared Parker call a game. Yeah. I don't think that's anybody knows what that's going to be yet. So I, I have no yeah. idea what it's going to look like. Yeah. That's a really good one, Ryan. Cause you yeah. could lay, say like, you could counter my comment and say, yeah, but we've seen Jordan Patelho before. 
We've seen yeah. Javante. We haven't maybe seen him as a unit, but we've seen those guys before. To your point, individually, yeah. we've never seen Jared Parker call a game. Yeah. And you can say, "Well, I watched him West Virginia. You didn't watch him call games. You watched him call red zone." <laughs> but Neil Brown was calling games then, right? I mean, so that's a good one. That's a good one. I like that, Ryan. I like that one. It's a really good Neil one. Brown. Yeah. If you're a woman over forty dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. If you're stressed about buying tickets or doing some last-minute ticket hunting to college football games, concerts, comedy shows, your favorite activities, Game Time is the place for you. They take the stress out of buying tickets. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theaters near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Forget planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball games, concerts, comedy shows, theaters, and more. The Game Time Guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section or and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticket app in the country for a reason. Get images of your seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. Buy tickets in a matter of seconds, two taps, and you're set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code IRISH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code IRISH for $20 off. Download the GameTime app today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. That's GameTime.co. I had a question from Nick. Where's the party when Notre Dame wins the Natty? And are we invited to your house? Go Irish. Uh, no, my wife would not like that very much. Uh, although we do have a new fire pit. You, so we could have you imagine if all, everybody in the uh, Notre Dame community knew where you lived as well. That probably wouldn't be a good recipe for you sometimes. I don't know. No, that probably wouldn't be good. Yeah. yeah. Like, uh, no one's ever going to figure out where I live. They just yeah. don't live in Jersey. <laughs> now nah, we'll have a party. We'll have, we'll, we'll do something here in South Bend. We'll have some fun. We'll, we'll do something. So yeah, we'll I'm getting we'll, arrested if they win a championship. So, <laughs> man, you got two I kids guess, now, man. Yeah, I got you. I, 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 I guess noise. the party's whatever jail I end up in. Like, oh. <laughs> That's not good. That's not good. We have a post game show to do, man. You got to at least wait till after the post game show before you get arrested. <laughs> Seriously. Uh, uh, Robert Matichek, who I pronounced his name correctly, and I was very proud. He nice gave me props there. Yeah. Uh, am I the he only signed one up for who... the message board like that next day, Ryan? So I think he uh, might have been impressed with how nice. well you pronounce his name. He joined the board, so appreciate you, Robert. Robert, much appreciation, sir. Much appreciation. Am I the only one who gets to nervous eat on game days? I are nervous eat every single day, Robert. Yes. So no, you're not that one. Uh, here's to rapid weight loss season with Notre Dame and Ivy Nation. Thank you so much for all you do, and have a great weekend, everyone. Like you said, who gets too nervous to eat? Um, when I get nervous, I eat. So I'm the oh, opposite I eat more. Of you, yeah. yeah. <laughs> when I get stressed yeah. or nervous, I eat more. <laughs> yeah, I, I have in season weight gains. 
uh, because of that more so than the, yeah, I, I've always been kind of, when I get nervous, I want to eat. Yeah. Uh, that's just yeah. how I've always been. Yeah. But, um, I, I know people like you, man. I, my dad's, uh, not, I don't know my dad. Um, yeah, my dad's kind of that way when it's his team a little bit, at least when we were younger, we'd have like these, my mom would put on these like spreads and stuff of all this food. And my, my yeah. dad would start to eat maybe once the game started, but he was usually a little bit nervous before the game. I don't remember him eating a whole lot before games. It was, it was kind of fun. We, we used to like it. Yeah. 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 We, mom would, we'd had like this uh, trampoline thing. I forget the yeah. little ones. And so mom would put like a blanket over it. She'd bring like all these, all this food. I mean, my sister would crush it and dad would be a little bit too nervous before the Redskins games. So. Yep. Yeah. I, I tend to eat a lot more when I get like, antsy i also have adhd so like i need to be constantly moving and stuff so you know yeah yeah <laughs> uh, will will see said one time i asked the chat driscoll what would you do if i knocked on your door and asked you to come outside and play he said he would shoot me i didn't say i would shoot you i said i would come out with my toys <laughs> i didn't yes. definitely say I would shoot you. I don't think so. I just, I, I don't I inferred, think said that. I inferred that that was on the table. That option was yes. on the table. Uh, is all that I said about that. I just want to make sure we're clear on that one. NH, what would your first play be for the Irish offense when they take the field against Navy just one week? We always get asked this question. I I think first play for me, like I'm just running it down their throat and then I'll figure out a a nice little chunk play on the next one. I think I said that too when we were asked a couple weeks ago, Ryan. I want to, I do want to establish that. I still want to show people that we can run the football, you know, and, and then because I, there's the notion is you want to show people that, hey, we can throw it this year, but I want to still set a tone of we're still going to be a physical, punch you in the face football team that's going to add, like, I would much rather see Sam Hartman throw less than 30 times a game and average 9.3 yards per attempt than throw it 36 times a game and average 8.2 yards per attempt. I right? like, really nice. That'd be really yeah, nice. Yeah. And, and that comes because you're dominant. Your run game is still really dominant and teams have to still be tight. And so you're just, you're playing pitch and catch on the outside with RPOs. I mean, that's what I want to see. Right. And then take your shots and do all that kind of stuff. Um, because like Sam Hartman was 8.6 yards per attempt last year. When you consider how many times he threw the ball down the field, that's a really good number. Because yeah, you're going to get percentage. Yeah, and, you're yeah. going to get the the longer gains, but you're also getting a lot of zeros in that yeah. part of it as well. So yeah, I would I would love to see that. But yeah, I'm I'm a establish the run game, make people think that we're still this, and then you then you go yeah. out for some stuff. Yeah. I always wanted to look up, Brian. I never looked this up, but I want to see what the yard per attempt was from Tommy DeVito from Illinois last year. I don't know if you oh. saw my tweet this morning, yeah. but that was Isaiah nuts. Williams, the number one receiver, had 691 yards after the catch and only had 715 yards receiving. I'm just like, yeah. where the heck was his average depth of target? Like, yeah. What are we talking about? Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm actually going to look up Tommy DeVito's yards per attempt was 7.2, which is really, really? bad. Yeah, uh, I thought but again, lower, but I yards like per, but that's yards per attempt. Yeah. If a dude is getting a mess of yards after the catch, that's going to make it better. So I'm actually going to go yeah. look and see what uh, what his yards per depth of target is. I'm, let me just give me a second to look that up, Ryan, because I'll bet you it was uh, it was not great. No. So let's I mean, go. I with, mean, I think uh, about 82 passes. So like, yeah. So that was Isaiah Williams. His average depth of target was 3.6. 
it's actually higher than I thought it was going to be. I yeah. thought it was going to be like two something. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, yards after the catch, according to Pro Football Focus, was 683. Okay. So yeah. still the same ballpark. It's pretty nice, yeah. Man. 683 out of 743. That's a very high number. That's an yeah. insanely high number. Like, that's yeah, insanely high number. Like, I am actually curious like, what that is. That's like I, 80 I, something percent of his yards are after the catch. Like, it's yeah. yeah, I would be very curious to see who had the most yards after catch last year. I'm actually going to look that up real quick, Ryan. Malachi Corley had the most yeah. yards after catch last year, right? right? And then Isaiah Williams was next with 683. And there was only two guys above 600. The other one was Jacob Counting from Arizona. So yeah, that's a that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Yes. So there you go. Oh. All right, let's get to this next one here, Ryan. Shamrock Sean says, "Can Jeremiah Love find himself being the backup running back, or at least a job on the kickoff return team? Can he? Yeah, yes. certainly, yeah. absolutely. Very I can see player. I can see both of those things happening yep. for sure. He, there might be a point this season where you're just like." He's too good not to play. Like, right. It's just too good. <laughs> Agree completely. Yeah. Andy you do not want to burden this yeah. time if you're a running back on this football team. It's true. Very true. You're a veteran. Yeah. Andy Football Nerd says, if Riley Mills has a big year on the field, how do you think he'll test at the combine? Could he be the first interior defensive lineman taken in the draft? Well, that's, that's twofold, right, Ryan? I mean, so yeah. so the first part, I would say this, is we we think he's going to test well based on – Yes. The fact he's been on the freaks list two years in a row. Yeah. Uh, but I would be curious, Ryan, what you think about the second part of that question. So, I mean, the first one's an easy one. Yeah, we think he'll test really well. I I don't think that he'll vault to being the first interior defensive lineman taken. I think that's a little too rich for me right now. But I, if he has a big year and he tests the way that we think he could test, if he's a top 100 pick at some point, like a top three-round pick, I wouldn't be shocked. I wouldn't be shocked at all. I mean, the kid is – Six five plus, good length, th- over three hundred pounds. Now, if he tests really well, he has literally had reps at big ends inside. If he has a big year inside, like I said this last year, I think it was the North Carolina game where he had a pressure, and I was just like, that is that is not regular for a guy to be two hundred ninety pounds and move that way. Like that's pretty rare. I think honestly, and some people might push upon this, but if Riley Mills decided to go into the draft last year, he gets drafted because he's just so talented. Like he'll get drafted. But I think that he has top 100 upside if he has a big year. It's just production needs to follow the talent that he has. We've seen that before in the draft, Ryan. We've seen guys who were were not considered high draft picks that have monster years and then test well break out. Do you think Riley is capable? Let's say he has a Sheldon Day-ish type of season, 15 tackles for loss, be a little bit more active in the sack game, you know, seven, eight sacks. If he has that kind of season and then goes out and runs a – you know, four, seven at the combine. Oh, or, four, seven. That's nuts. You know, <laughs> that's like, nuts. I'm just like throwing, you know, and just like blows it up. I mean, could you see him jumping into the first? Cause like, would you have said before the 2018 season, Jerry Tillery is going to be a first round draft pick? I, I wouldn't no. have. No. Do you think it's capable of that? Cause I mean, I think, I think production plus being in their name, plus being a freak plus being 300 pounds. I mean, I, I could see him jumping in the first round. It's just right now. That's a long way off. That's, that's my whole thing. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I don't even know if, it, if 
all that recipe would say first round. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, why? anything's possible. I'm not arguing. I'm just curious as to why. Because you, you got the athletic traits, you got the size. I think there's have limitations the to him a little bit. Like, I, I don't think he's like the best change of direction athlete of all time. Or I, I don't know. I just no. Don't I mean, I, I get all that. But what I'm saying yeah. is, is, if the production is great and he tests well, sure. then then those that those things kind of. Because again, it's you're possible, talking about but you. But you're also we're talking, talking about, about your production, though. Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, he had well, six tackles for loss and three sacks. Jerry, Jerry Tillery had one year production. <laughs> Riley Mills has more career sacks going into senior year than Jerry Tillery did. I know, but Tillery was a more talented player, in my opinion. It's just my opinion, though. But yeah, well, we'll see. I just think if you look at NFL history, if a guy is that big and runs that fast and has production, he 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 runs the risk of getting overdrafted. Yeah. I say that in theory, what I don't know is the context of what does this de-tackle class look like? Because I think you and I both know that there are some years where certain position groups are so bad that if a guy tests well, you may reach at him because if you don't get him, there ain't a whole lot else behind him. I have no sure. clue what next year's de-tackle class is going to look like. Wasn't this past year's really bad or was it the year before? Now this year's was pretty good. You had Jalen Carter and those cats this so year. So it was so. two years ago. I remember people complaining about the uh. de-tackle class. I mean, two years ago was what Jordan Davis and that crew. I mean, it was a little bit overrated in the class. Yeah. yeah, it was a little overrated. Well, this is another question we get asked a lot. Okay. Uh, Shamrock Sean says, "What is the desired average points per game Notre Dame should be shooting for this offense potentially?" I, I, I'm going to say this again, guys. I really don't know because we don't know how the rule changes are going to impact possessions. We, we know theories and we know projections and all that, but I, I, I really don't know how it's going to look. What I've said is I want them to be a top 15 scoring offense at, at least. That, that's my thing, right? Is Because if you're top 15, then however it – because if it impacts one – it's going to impact everybody, right? It's going to impact scoring across the board. There's no way to get those possessions back unless you just have an elite defense and an elite offense, right? I mean, the possessions are going to be limited in theory. So – my question is, I don't know how much. Is it is it one possession per team? Is it one possession per game? Yeah. Is it two or three? I just don't know. But that's why with me, Ryan, I think a lot of my focus this season is not so much on yards and on points, but on, on offensive stats. It's yards per play, yards per rush, yards per attempt. Those things translate no matter how many plays you run, right? It shows your efficiency. With points, to me, I care more about like a rankings range because then that's going to tell me a little bit more about where you are. Assuming the ranking is coming from you being consistent scoring, not like 2019 where you score 17 against Georgia, 14 against Michigan, but you get 62 against New Mexico or 66 against New Mexico, 52 against Bowling Green, and your stats are padded because you scored 70 on Tennessee State and 60 on Central Michigan, but you only scored – 13 against Ohio State and 17 against Clemson, right? So to, top 15 is the range that I would say you need to be. That needs to, your floor needs to be 15. If you're going to be a championship team, to me, you've got to be. A, Notre Dame has to be a top 15 scoring offense at least. I, that's what that's what I think. I, I heard Penn State's offensive coordinator is it Yurcevich? What's yeah. his name? Yeah. Something like that. He said that the two analytic points that they look for offensively now with the limited possessions or the limit or some limited of possession is points per possession and points per play are the two biggest mm-hmm. things that they look at. So I guess that's, that speaks to the efficiency aspect right. of everything, right? Like it's not a raw 40 points per game, 38 points per game. It's how many quality possessions are you getting? How many quality plays are you getting? Right. Cause you obviously have 
limited as far as how many plays you get. And I actually thought that was pretty Because let's say Notre Dame comes out in the game this year, right? And they're just running it down somebody's throat. Yeah. That's going to limit the, They may score only, they may only score 31 points that game, but you go back and look at it, you're like, dude, they had five possessions. They scored four touchdowns and exactly. kicked the field goal. Yeah. That's a heck of a day. Yep. Right. So it's why I say I'm not focused so much on the points per game raw number because I have no context on how to compare it to the rest. That's why I say that top 15 type of ranking is where I think they need to be at the end of the year. But when I talk about evaluating this offense, it's going to be more about how are they from a yards per play standpoint, but then also Ryan, and this is what we talked about yesterday with the defense. um, I don't know if you had a chance to, to kind of, listen to that part of my show on Wednesday, the midweek rundown, because I know you were doing a couple of things, but like the clutchness of the defense was an mm-hmm. issue last year. The numbers were actually pretty good. They, th- this yeah. was the third lowest last year's yards per game was the third lowest since 2010 that Notre Dame has allowed in total yards. It was mm-hmm. lower than 2020 and it was lower than 2018, but the yards per play was much higher because, you know, a lot of different reasons, but you know, they were more ball control on offense. There's a lot of factors, but the point is they were not clutch when it mattered most. And I'll say the same thing about the offense. It's the yards per play, and do they make money plays? That's the key. And sometimes a money play can be second quarter. You know, that other team gains some momentum, and you go back and make a big play to, you know, Will Fuller's most money play against USC came on the first play offensive series of the game. USC had just gone down the field and scored. This is a team that the year before destroyed you. And they go right down the field to start the game and score. Will Fuller comes right back, seventy-five yard touchdown. That's a money play, right? right? That you need those moments. Even you know, so it's those things that I care more about than what I think the focus with some of y'all is points per game. I'm I, I've thrown out the number at least thirty-six, but thirty-six could be the number three scoring offense in the country next year. I don't I don't know the answer to that. Like I think what was it? Um, Notre Dame in 1993. Let me just look this up real quick, Ryan. Notre Dame in 1993, I believe, was there was a year they scored like 36 points a game, uh, and they were like um, top 10. I mean, they ranked really high in scoring. Let me just go and find this real quick. So this is why I say you, you really don't know. So 1993, that's just the one I'll use. Notre Dame scored 35.6 points per game. That ranked eighth in college football. And you look at last year, 35, what did I say, 35.8? What did I say, 35.6? Last year, 35.6 would have ranked 21st. In 1992, Notre Dame scored 36.4 points per game. That ranked fourth in college football. Last year, 36.4 would have ranked 15th. Right. So because back then, college football was much more run game oriented. When you're run game oriented, it's fewer possessions because you're using more clock even before the rule changes, right? So – 36 points may be a number four ranked scoring offense. I, I don't know. And then that may be a little too high of an expectation, right? I, I, I just don't know how these things are going to impact. And then here's the other question I have for you, Ryan. Is is there a greater per game distance created between the air raid teams and the teams that are more pro style because of the limited possessions to where now you may score more points, but your, your defense is giving up more big plays. Your offense is, is actually right. not scoring on, like you said, the, points per possession points per game but because you're getting more incompletions and you're doing those things a team like Notre Dame last year would have been much more greatly affected by the new rules than USC last year would have been 
because you're going to be catching more passes that are running out of bounds, more incompletions and things like that. Does that make sense? So like yeah. maybe we see that gap, but this offense is actually more efficient than that one, but there's actually a greater scoring gap. There's just so much of what we don't know about how the scoring is going to be that I really can't give you what that's going to be. I just, I right. I'm, I'm looking at just other factors and, and it'll take us probably a year or two to really figure out just what that means. But if it's what I think it is, I think 36 is a healthy number for Notre Dame when you consider the quality of the schedule. But 34 could end up being a great top 15 offense. I just, I really just don't have answers to those questions at this point in time. Well, all I'll say is you guys are lucky Tommy Reese isn't working with this rule because according to Yurcevich, every play matters more than it did last year. And the scan would have been every single play if every play oh my matters gosh. more. So it wasn't our, it wasn't every other, it wasn't play every play well, already. It would felt like it sometimes. Then. <laughs> DJ with the super chat. If a team plays us heavy in the middle, aka estimate is not going to beat us, can we have enough success on the perimeter to win the game? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, look, wide rece- I think wide receivers are going to be better. I think your quarterback's going to be better. So yes, I think so. I'm a lot higher on the receiving core than than it appears a lot of you are. I, I just am. I am. Yeah. James O'Reilly with the super chat. Thank you, James. Could Pat Hugan's athleticism be why he's higher on the depth chart than Billy Shrouth more versatility in the line, or could it also be potentially be a difference in game plan philosophy from Harry Heastan to Joe Rudolph eight days? I, I don't think Pat Coogan's very athletic. He's one of the least athletic guys they have. So I, I don't think that's the re- athleticism is not why if it was, if this was a decision about athleticism, it's a no brainer that Billy Shrouth is a starting left guard. I think it's a consistency and dependability. Yeah factors yeah. that we're looking yeah. at here yeah yep agree we had another this question a comment i appreciate this go ahead Sharon. this is more of a comment shamrock sean says the community ib has built on the message board is awesome in my opinion thank you yeah thank you that thank you for that very very much i think it is also very true very very true we had pete weber what's up pete mailbag or or for the chat, does anybody have any insights into Kansas State? How are they looking this season, and who will make an impact on that team? I'm going to give you my two big questions about Kansas State this year, Ryan, and I'll get your thoughts on it. Number one is we're going to find out just how much Deuce Vaughn mattered to that offense. Now, we know he was very important, right? But was he so important that, like, they're just going to take a – are they going to fall off a cliff? Kind of like what happened to Iowa State when Brees Hall left. Right. Like, you know, I know they also lost Brock Purdy, but when Brees Hall left, that offense went off a cliff. Yeah. And uh, and I know you were a very big Brees Hall guy. Is was he that important or do they have enough horses to kind of say, hey, we don't have anybody like Deuce Vaughn, but we're going to be okay. The second question is, is how is Will Howard going to play now that he is the guy? Because he was not the guy going into last year. There's always less pressure when you come off the bench, even if you start for the course of a season. When you come off the bench, there's always less pressure on you than when you are the guy in the entire offseason in the season. So we're going to have to see how Will Howard handles that. And you don't have Adrian Martinez to kind of turn to if he's not playing well. Those are the two big questions for me that are going to determine Kansas State. But I love the head coach. I love the toughness. I think there's a lot of good players coming back. But I think those are two giant questions that will define Kansas State, Ryan. What are your thoughts on that? And what are your thoughts on Kansas State? I agree with the Will Howard question. I want to see what he looks like. A good thing for the running back situation is Treshawn Ward did transfer in from Florida State, which is good. And then they also have very good offensive line coming back. Mm-hmm. Baby came back for another year. They got Christian McDuffie back at offensive tackle. So their offensive line should be good. So I think they'll be able to run the ball 
consistent enough. I think that they are just going to be one of those headache teams in the Big 12. Like they're just one of those teams that for every week you're going to have to bring your lunch pail, right? And it's a super cliche, but they're coached well. They're physical. They have a decent amount coming back on defense as well. I know that they lost both corners, but they have Daniel Green in the middle, who's a good linebacker. Their number 41, I think, is Austin Moore. He's the other inside linebacker that's a pretty solid football player. So they should have some guys defensively coming back. They'll have a good running game. Will Howard is Will Howard will be the difference between back-to-back Big 12 championships, or maybe they're just a solid eight and four, nine and three football right. team. I think that's the difference. I hope that they're good. I I always enjoyed watching Kansas State be really good in the big 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 eight and then Big 12 back in the day when they had like Michael yep. Bishop and um, they're good. Yeah. Who was the other running back? The little running back they had back in the day that was really good. It oh, was. Man. Um, I know who you're talking about. Um, Darren Sproles. Sproles. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's somebody yeah. else, didn't they? Didn't they have another good running a, back too? They had several, yeah, but yeah. they had some really good running backs back in the day, and uh, obviously Michael Bishop, a quarterback. I'm yeah, because they they and they all looked the same, right? Right. I mean, all their running they backs kind of like guys. they they were all those like short, stocky, and really tough runners. That's uh, why that's why Dylan Edwards should have went to Kansas State, just stayed a running back, man. But you know, agree. Yeah, but <laughs> uh, he was obviously looking for. Uh, for different things, they had Eric Hickson one year uh, back then, uh, 1999. They went 11. You know who was the Joe complete Hall. opposite? You yeah. know who the complete opposite is. They've always had those short, kind of undersized guys. Do you remember when they had oh, what was his name? Gosh, his name just escaped me. The Miami Dolphins drafted him. He was a big back. He was like six two, two hundred thirty pounds. What the heck was that kid's name? It wasn't Josh Scope. No, it wasn't Josh Scope. He was a small. No, it wasn't back. that far back. It was like 2010, um, I think, or something like that. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, Daniel yes. Daniel Thomas. Daniel Thomas. Yes. 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 He was and like he, a quarterback at first or something. And then yeah. He, back. And he had really nice feet. Yeah, I remember yeah. him. He was big, yeah. dude. He was a big back. He really didn't turn out to be any good with Miami, but like he was yeah. huge. And he kind of <laughs> came out of nowhere at K-State. Like he just kind of yeah. broke onto the scene. Yeah, I remember him now. Good call. So I think Ryan. he was a quarterback early on in his career, and then he was like, what was his transition guys? I'm pretty good sure. call. Very good yeah. call. We had a question from Robert Bushup who says, if you had to choose one, which was your favorite Shamrock Series alternate version for Jersey? I liked the white on white against Miami. That would be Miami. What year do they have white on white against Miami? I'm thinking because they they had the alternate against Miami in 2005 and 2012, but that wasn't. Um, I need to look these up. Yeah, they. So I remember the white on white against Arizona State was really good. I liked the 2015 BC ones. I thought those yeah, were really nice. sharp. If they just would have changed the color of the number and the name, so I could see it a little bit more. I think that one was one. Of, and and I, I know that I'm in the minority here, but I actually really like the the Yankee Stadium uniforms. I, I The only thing I didn't like about those, again, I'm talking uniform. The thing yeah. I didn't like about that one is they should have stuck with the gold helmet because to me, putting the gold helmet with the pinstripes would have been the perfect combination as opposed to going pure pinstripe. That was my issue, right? You, you yeah. changed the helmet and you kind of lost – the chance because could you imagine those navy blue jerseys that are yankee colors the pinstripe pants with the gold notre dame helmet i think that would have looked way better i like the idea of it i like the idea of it yeah i think that they didn't quite pull it off fully but i did like the idea i like last year's man those whites yeah i I thought they were sick they were sharp really they were really sharp I'm trying to think of some other ones you know you said 13 arizona state was a good one that was another white on white 
Yeah, the Vegas I, last year were sick, man. They yeah. Nice. Did they do a Shamrock series in 21? Am I drawing a blank on, on that 2021 season? Because I know they haven't done a Shamrock every single year. I, I feel like they did. Oh, it was Wisconsin. 21. Yeah, it was Wisconsin. Those were okay. Yeah. Uh, they were all right. 2019. Let's see, what was the Shamrock that year? I don't know that they that did the, a Shamrock no. that year. They didn't do a Shamrock that year in 2019, now that I think of it. Because, yeah. Let's see, Virginia Tech, no. Navy, no. BC. Oh, they did a BC. They had a throwback to the 2018, but it wasn't a Shamrock, but they did a throwback to the 1988 jerseys and i actually really like those i've even that. said if you went to the just those for normal i would like it they had uh the yankee ones the year before that i did not like the ones against navy in 2017 they did the, like the newt rockney throwback to i i did not like that at all i didn't like that i forgot about those ones yeah. yeah yeah 2016 against army eh, anyway eh, i didn't they were all right they were a little too of a weird color green for me we talked about 2015 Boston College. 2014, the Shamrock was against uh, Purdue. They were okay. I didn't love those. Uh, 2013 Arizona State. Those that was the year they had the white on whites that were really cool. The 2020 Miami. The 2012 Miami uniforms actually looked sharp. I hated the helmet. It was just is that, is that the blue? Is it had blue? half blue yeah. and then half gold. That looked retarded. That looked ridiculous. Excuse me. Um, I hated that one. I disliked that one very much. And then uh, 2011, I think it was Maryland. And that was just, eh, it was all right. It wasn't much. But yeah, th- those are those are the ones I like the most. Yeah, those those last one, those ones last year, the white ones were. They were sharp. Well, two of the best they've ever had were white on white, right? And like yeah. that, that, I mean, I know a lot of people like those 2013 Arizona State ones. Yeah. Yeah. We had the Andretti says. Can Deuce changed his name. All right, there we go. Can y'all give us a starting lineup that you would like to see for offense and defense, even special teams? I mean, it's going to look similar to what they do now, Ryan. Sam Hartman, a quarterback, Audrick at running back. If I'm going 11 personnel, I mean, what I would like to see is I would have liked to have seen Deion Colsey step up and win a starting job. But right now, from what I've seen in fall camp, I'm I'm probably going Jaden Thomas in the boundary, Chris Tyree in the slot, Braylon James, or Braylon James. Tobias Merriweather to the field. I've liked holding Stace more. And then the offensive line is exactly what it is now, except Billy Shroud, the guard. That's what I would have liked to have seen a little bit more. Yeah. Defensive line, what it is now. Howard Cross, Riley inside, Potoho, and either Nana or Javante out at big end. I take Javante oh, over Nana. Yeah. I know he's going to play. Just, but, they're, yeah. To me, the, they're co-starters, basically, is how yeah. I think it's going to go. Uh, if I'm going starting linebackers, I'd probably go – like if you want to talk about like what the ideal scenario is, the ideal starting linebackers inside in the nickel defense is JD Bertrand and Maris Lowell. It meaning Maris, the light went on. Because I yeah. think you and I agree. If the light, we're just not gonna accept expect it. But if it happens, yeah. there's everything we thought about Maris last year from a potential standpoint didn't go away. He didn't stop right. being athletic. He, you yeah. know, it's just he's a fifth year senior now and and it's no longer projecting it might to happen. He just needs to either do it or whatever. Uh, but that to me is still the best with Jack Kaiser, sort of that super sub like Tavon Coney was, and was it 20, 2015, 2016 when Tavon was, or it was 2017 when Tavon was kind of like the super sub and you had three guys. Remember Tavon let him in tackles that year, but he didn't start Niles yeah. and, uh, Niles started and, and Greer started a lot of those games. Um, you know, or like a Greer Martini type of super sub, that would still be the ideal with Thomas Harper nickel. Benjamin and uh, Cam Hart at corner, and then Ramon Henderson and 
Xavier Watts at safety. So it's it's not far off from what my ideal starting lineup would be. For the for the most part, I think guys that we were hoping would step up have stepped up for the most part. I mean, for, you know, to a large degree. I mean, there's always a couple like, yeah, I would rather Billy Shrouth have seized a starting offensive guard spot for sure. I mean, that's mm-hmm. absolutely. But I think other than that, I mean, it's going to sound weird, but like, were there really a lot of starter position battles? Truly? I mean, as far as like guys that we were seriously like, I don't know if that guy's going to start. It's like. Well, there were some that people hoped for. They were people were hoping sure. that a bunch of young guys were going to be starting a linebacker this year, but only one yeah. of those might have happened. And I think the guy that probably had the best chance of actually pushing himself into a starting lineup has been away from the team all full camp, you know? Yeah, right, and um, right. so, yeah, that's, that's made it a little bit more challenging, but. I'm yeah. more interested to see like a lot of the depth, to be honest. Well, so in some of these positions, right. Ryan, we can talk about who's the starting safeties, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. Because they're gonna inter- they're gonna be all playing and they're you know there's gonna be times DJ's on the field, Xavier, Xavier's on the field, Ramon, it's DJ and Ramon are on the field together. Xavier's, you know, uh, uh Antonio Carter's in there. It's just it's just the way it's gonna be. I mean, you're just gonna see them all kind of playing together. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.